One of the cold realities of the fight game is that it's not all for guts and glory. This is how food is kept on the table, and as such, many a fighter will compete well past their career sell-by date, well past the point of them actually caring about their legacy and their ability to compete at the highest level anymore, so they can collect a paycheck. It's hard to blame a fighter for using their name to earn money, but it's certainly sad to see some really great fighters seemingly uninterested with being their best anymore and simply showing up. Don't know what you're talking about. Today's list is all about those fighters who, for one reason or another, mostly money, kept going going through the motions of the fight game long after they'd lost the fire that made them famous. Hey, before we get into it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and click the bell to turn on notifications. That way you never miss an upload. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are the top 10 fighters that just stopped caring. Number 10. Minowa Man it's not that a fighter doesn't care when they decide to make their entire career about freak show fights, but it's certainly a squandering of their potential to fight the best of the best in their era. Ikuhisa Minowa, better known as Minowa Man, was a big-time homegrown Japanese MMA star with a loyal following and over 100 pro fights. Early in his career, he was regularly competing with the best of his contemporaries. Yuki Kondo, Evan Tanner, Ricardo Almeida, Rampage, Vandy, Bustamante, Krokop, Sakuraba. But as time went on, the fights with the greats became less and less, and what Minowa Man slowly became known for was fighting enormous people. Ikuhisa was 5'9 and a natural middleweight, but the Japanese audience would love when he'd fight openweight bouts against the likes of Giant Silva, Butterbean, or Zulazino. It was becoming more than a regular occurrence, earning Minowa the nickname of the Giant Killer. And while more meaningful fights would happen occasionally in his career, Ikuhisa was more than content with just playing the hits, and the amount of giants he fought over time was beyond the occasional freak show fight Fedor would take on New Year's Eve. It would have been interesting to see what Minowa Man could have done had he stayed focused on meaningful fights and not Bob Sapp and Hongman Choi. Number 9. Chael Sonnen after taking three years away from the cage following his release from the UFC and a lengthy suspension by Nevada for PED usage, Chael Sonnen returned to fighting in 2017 for Bellator MMA, but did so with a much more scattered focus than the days of his relentless pursuit of UFC gold when he was taking Anderson Silva to the brink. Sonnen was an analyst and a commentator now for Bellator and ESPN. He started a popular podcast and YouTube channel, he created his own promotion in Submission Underground, and he became a father. Are you done? With so many irons in the fire, Chael would only compete five times in his two and a half years with the promotion and serve as a name draw more than anything. His debut against Tito Ortiz lasted two minutes, with Sonnen producing very little offense before being submitted. His next two fights were one-sided wins over Vandalay Silva and Rampage Jackson, but both fighters had diminished considerably, taking away the weight of the victories. After Fedor Emelianenko made short work of Sonnen at Bellator 208, Chael would face his final foe in Lyoto Machida, this time defeat coming in the second round via a flying knee. By his own admittance, to Errol Helwani after the fight, the bad guy explained that he had used up all his toughness Errol, I just think I fired my last bullet and didn't want it as bad as he used to want it, joking that the referee should have stepped in four minutes earlier when he quit fighting. I looked, I said, what took you so long? Sonnen would retire after the bout with a perfect record, undefeated and undisputed. Number 8. Rampage Jackson while much of Rampage Jackson's late career has certainly not been the prime competitor we knew from Pride and his title run with the UFC, you got the sense that Jackson was still putting forth effort. He won the Bellator Season 10 Light Heavyweight Tournament, and although his nostalgic fourth fight with Vandalay Silva at Bellator 206 was well-received, he lost to King Mo and Chael Sonnen in his previous two fights. Even though he'd put on a few pounds and was competing at heavyweight, it still looked more like an aging star slowly fading than someone who'd stopped caring. Then Page participated in the cross-promotional Rise in Bellator 
show in Japan right before New Year's Eve against the beloved Fedor Emelianenko. Jackson was noticeably larger than he'd been at any point in his career and carried himself with what felt like a complete lack of confidence. Flat-footed and immobile, the former UFC champion was made quick work of by Fedor, essentially giving into his condition at the first sign of trouble. For fans looking for that Pride FC nostalgia high, they were met with a harsh reality. Quentin apologized for his performance and vowed to get back in shape, adding that he felt like a hippopotamus. In the end, he was in good spirits, though, as he mentioned you get paid for all fights, win or lose. Number 7. Bigfoot Silva by the time Antonio Bigfoot Silva was cut from the UFC, he'd lost five of his last six bouts, all via KOTKO. The man who once beat Fedor and competed for a world title against Cain Velasquez had seen only a single victory in over three years, but that did not stop him from seeking more fights after he was let go by Zufa LLC. Next, Bigfoot would compete and lose two fights in Russia for Titov Boxing and Fight Nights Global, the latter resulting in a KO by current 22-1 Bellator fighter Vitaly Minikov. Next, Silva would make his way to China for a paycheck, this time in his kickboxing debut against arguably the best heavyweight kickboxer of all time, Rico Verhoeven. He was TKO'd in the second round, and as a result was not medically cleared to compete in a second kickboxing bout. Two years later, Silva would emerge again, this time losing his bare-knuckle boxing debut via KO to Gabriel Gonzaga in October of last year. Luckily, he has not competed again since. Number 6. Ken Shamrock Ken Shamrock walked away from MMA in 1996 as a key pioneer in the early sport, an important figure seen with reverence. Four years later, an ill-advised return that cashed in on his name in both Pride and the UFC from 2000 to 2006 changed that. Shamrock lost seven of ten during this era, including a full trilogy with Tito Ortiz, his only notable victory a nostalgic rematch with Kimo Leopoldo. After Ken was let go by the UFC, he fought tooth and nail to get the final fight on his contract, but ultimately lost in court and was forced to smaller promotions for cash. His last big payday getting canceled when he had to drop out of the Elite XC fight with Kimbo Slice. Ken's late career saw fights in Cage Rage, Impact FC, USA MMA, King of the Cage, and War Gods, where he lost three of five. For a five-year period after his fall from grace, Shamrock would have several more announced fights that didn't materialize until in 2015, Bellator did another nostalgia run with the Hall of Famer, this time consisting of two awful cash grab losses to Kimbo Slice and early UFC rival Hoist Gracie. Ken mercifully retired officially last Last July. Number 5. Tim Sylvia at one time, a regular fixture in the UFC's heavyweight title picture, two-time champion Tim Sylvia fought the best of his era and only came up short against Frank Mir, Andre Arlovsky, which he avenged twice, and in his final title defense, Randy Couture. That's by no stretch a bad run in the UFC, but more troubled times were ahead. After losing to Minotaro Noguera for the interim heavyweight title in 2008, Sylvia opted out of his UFC contract to fight Fedor in Affliction, a bout he famously lost in 36 seconds. Tim was always on the bigger side of 265, but following his loss, he would begin a two year stretch where he regularly competed in regional shows as a super heavyweight, being KO'd by Ray Mercer in just nine seconds in his debut. Sylvia would find success on this circuit, but again, these were not top-tier fights anymore, and during that run, he was again finished in less than a minute by Abe Wagner. A brief return to heavyweight on the Asian international scene would see Tim brutally soccer kick finished by rival Arlovsky in one championship, followed by three straight losses and a return to super heavyweight after missing the 265-pound mark. Tim was forced to retire in 2005 when at three 371 pounds, he was denied medical clearance for an upcoming regional bout. Number 4. Mayhem Miller 
For a time, Jason Mayhem Miller was one of the most recognizable fighters in all of mixed martial arts. The former Strike Force and Dream title contender was well known for hosting the popular MTV show Bully Beatdown and had notable wins over Kazushi Sakuraba, Tim Kennedy, and Robbie Lawler. However, following back-to-back -back losses in the UFC, Miller was cut from the promotion after a backstage altercation with a staff member and things rapidly began to unravel. That summer, Mayhem would be arrested for allegedly vandalizing a church while naked. He broke into a church, sprayed a fire extinguisher, and to top it all off, he was butt-ass naked. Although all charges would be dropped, Jason making regular headlines for new legal woes would become the yearly norm from then on through to 2019, including an incident in which he live-tweeted a SWAT team standoff. He would later admit in interviews that he was struggling with substance abuse during this period of time. Only a few months after the initial church incident, while promoting his role in the Kevin James comedy Here Comes the Boom, Mayhem would have a bizarre meltdown live on the set of the MMA Hour. Yo, okay. you know what? You guys fucking... Have your fucking stupid internet radio show in your mom's basement. That's it? You're gonna do this? And yeah. in 2016, he would return to fighting at Venator FC3 in Milan, Italy after a four-year absence. He was supposed to face middleweight Luke Barnett, but missed weight by 24 pounds and instead lost via second-round submission to light heavyweight Mattia Schiavolin. Miller has not fought again since. Number 3. Johnny Hendricks there was no welterweight more feared than Johnny Hendricks in 2013. After a 15-1 run up to his controversial title defeat to George St. Pierre, Big Rig captured the vacant title against Robbie Lawler at UFC 171. And while he would drop the belt in a rematch later that year, there was no indication that Hendricks' career was about to dive off a cliff. Johnny began working his way back towards the championship with a victory over Matt Brown, and then the troubles started. Big Rig's extreme weight cut before a scheduled bout with Tyron Woodley at UFC 192 resulted in the fight being scrapped and the former champion being taken to the hospital with intestinal blockage. Now downgraded to a fight night card, Hendricks would be TKO'd in round one by Steven Thompson and then go on to miss weight for the next two fights back-to-back -back decision losses. After years of cutting huge weight to compensate for his admittedly less than perfect diet and lifestyle, 15 Big Macs, please. Excuse me? 15 Big Macs, please. Johnny bumped up to middleweight and won his debut against Hector Lombard. Then he missed weight at 185 and was TKO'd by Tim Bosch. His final bout with the promotion was a TKO loss to Paulo Costa. After retiring following the bout, Hendricks would return to combat sports a year later, only to be TKO'd yet again by Dakota Cotrain at World Bare Knuckle Fighting Federation. Number 2. Mark Kerr the poster figure that's often associated with squandering potential in mixed martial arts, UFC 15 heavyweight tournament winner and Pride Grand Prix 2000 participant Mark Kerr had all the tools and the body of a medically enhanced superhero. He was primed to become one of the all-time great heavyweights, and after an impressive early career, his drug-fueled lifestyle and the demons that came with it started catching up with him. The Smashing Machine struggled through 2000 and 2001 in Pride, dropping three of five fights after having been unbeaten for his entire career, but for a no contest due to illegal knees by Igor Vochanchin at Pride. It was at that point that Kerr disappeared from the scene for nearly four years, returning at Pride 27 as a shell of the man fans once knew, KOing himself while attempting a takedown in the first 40 seconds of his comeback fight. Nearly three more years passed, a TKO loss in round one to Mike Whiteland at IFL. Four months later, his fifth loss in a row, a TKO to Mustafa Al-Turk at Cage Rage. For the rest of 2007 and 2008, Kerr took checks where he could, beating nobodies and getting bodied by all the rest. He would end his career in a heap on the mat after being KO'd in 25 seconds by King Mo at M1 Global Breakthrough in August 2009, having lost his final five fights. Number 1. Bob Sapp 
When he first hit the MMA and kickboxing scene in 2002, Bob Sapp was big money. A 6 foot 5, 300 plus pound monster attraction for Japanese audiences, the Beast was a massive star both figuratively and literally, scoring high profile bouts in both K1 Heroes and Pride FC despite his lack of experience. Sapp rode this wave for about six years and saw decent success, going 10 3 1 in his MMA career. But then, as he put it, the risk started to outweigh the reward, and well, basically, Bob wasn't going to put himself in a position to get hurt and lose out on another potential paycheck. The result was that he lost 17 of his next 18 fights, with all but two coming in the first round, 15 of which happened in under two minutes. The second Bob saw trouble, he would put himself in a position for the referee to stop the fight, or he would tap to strikes and submissions. During this same period, he lost 14 kickboxing bouts as well. When Ariel Helwani confronted Sapp about what he saw as throwing fights... Alright, so let's cut to the chase, Bob. You've lost 10 of 11. This was, like I said, the, the toughest of the bunch in terms of length of time. There are people who think you are throwing these fights. Bob defended his actions as being on par with the pay in a bizarre interview that was followed by a series of insane videos in his defense. Sapp finally scored another victory in 2018 at Ryzen 13, an exhausted unanimous decision over fellow super heavyweight Asuna Rashi. A massive shout out to the massively talented Thaddeus who edited this one together. Go follow him on Twitter and IG at ThaddeusM. Check out his SoundCloud too. All right, that's all I got for you. Thanks for watching. Please like, subscribe, and have a wonderful day.